Welcome to All in Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, joined today by Ian Boyd, uh, X's and O's expert of uh, on our InsideTexas.com, as well as Jerry Hamilton, recruiting expert not only for InsideTexas.com, but also on 3 Sports National. Uh, this is the Longhorn live stream uh, weekly Friday chat. We start at 1 every Friday. Uh, Jerry and Ian join me, and we talk all things Texas, uh, from recruiting to team news, et cetera. Uh, Ian, I wanted to start with today, uh, and Ian, and get this question out of the way. Tell me your number one concern for the Longhorns as they prep for Washington in the Alamo Bowl, because I know you've done uh, some immediate research on on that team. Number one, I think the number one concern is Washington. I think they're a much better team than Texas has drawn in some of the recent bowl games. You know, they got Colorado a couple of years ago in the Alamo Bowl. Colorado was not good. Um, they were inflated by, you know, the COVID Pac-12 year. They played Utah. They beat Utah pretty good. But Utah was missing, like, three guys opted out to prepare for the NFL from their secondary. So uh, Utah was not um, in great shape. And Washington – is, is it the downfield passing attack of Washington that uh, concerns you the most? Yeah, I think just their general offensive competence and the fact that they have DeBoer and some of their best receivers ready to go. Uh, sorry, DeBoer is the coach. They have uh, Penix, the quarterback, just announced he's coming back. So this is like, you know, this is a chance for him to show on a national stage what he's all about and build some momentum for the next year. It just feels like they have all their all their pieces, you know, all the pieces in the machine are humming and they have a lot to, a lot to prove in this game, whereas for Texas – you know, I don't know that this game, not like Texas isn't going to play, but they, they, have, they have more guys opting out. They just don't have a lot of – there's not a lot at stake for the Longhorns in, in my estimation. Got it. Uh, I want to say thank you to our main sponsor for our Friday chats, uh, Longhorn Livestream, uh, and that is Andy Ludicky. Uh Andy is uh, with MyPerfectFranchise.net. Are you looking to diversify? You may be someone like me that has their hands in multiple businesses. Well, Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net can help you diversify by finding you a business that will fit your time allotment and financial goals. Call him or email him to learn more. He's got a really cool process. That's Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net. Uh, I spoke with Andy today, and uh, he is uh, very happy with his sponsorship at, at On Texas Football and said that some of you guys have already reached out and uh, done some things with him that uh, he feels like are, are, everybody feels like is going to be a good deal. So. Uh, happy about that for you guys. Um, Jerry, we're in the midst of the portal uh, alongside Texas getting ready for the bowl. Today was their first bowl practice, though. Uh, but not only is the portal going, but recruiting is going. Um, it's it's a crazy time right now. You and I both feel like this is a, a once in a lifetime. It feels like a once in a lifetime, even though it, I think it could end up being annual from now on. Um, what are your overall thoughts right now on the Longhorns? positioning in the portal they've only offered one guy a scholarship at this point they seem to be waiting uh to see what all happens elsewhere before making a decision yeah i think uh there's two things that go along with that is one is signing days 13 days away now right uh you got a top five class um so there's a balancing act there of keeping all those key guys in the fold a lot of early 12 early enrollees some of those guys 
expecting to play right away and good enough to play right away, talented enough to play right away. So I think there's a balance there and, um, you know, getting the 2023 class across the finish line while also waiting for the second wave of portal guys to jump in. Because I do think there's a second wave here in this 45 day window um, with classes ending. Uh, some of these kids are going to be going home that aren't bowl practices or whatnot. Um, and so I, I expect to see another, and I'm not, it's not going to be this, the level of wave it was initially, there's no chance, but I expect there to be some talented players probably possibly jump into the portal here in the next week. And so I think the worst thing you can do is jump out there and offer a bunch of guys knowing that there's a good chance other guys come behind it that may even fit a bigger and better need for you. Uh, so I think ta- Steve Sarkeesian is always going to exercise patience, whether that's high school or portal recruiting, and they're going to go after guys that they absolutely believe are going to impact their team. So you, do you like that? I mean, like I, I wrote in today at InsideTexas.com, they're definitely being judicious and uh, only one offer. You and I, you and I talked about it, Eric, Justin, we all talked about it. We thought there'd be five to 10 offers by this time yep. a week ago. There's one. Yeah, I'm, su- I'm surprised. Um, and then, you know, look what you said earlier, Bobby, they've been on the road doing in-home visits as well. I mean, so you're going to start to see some portal guys uh, tra- uh, make official visits this weekend. A couple already have, but this weekend, um, obviously in the next two weekends will be big as far as portal visits go. But Steve Sarkeesian was in Hawaii, then Southern California, Hawaii, see Liana LaFalle in home, then DeAndre Moore in Southern California. Then they stopped off in Arizona. Then they came, Sarkeesian was back for the Alamo Bowl or had an Alamo Bowl press conference Thursday. I mean, so these are, these are full schedules these guys are working with as well. So, uh, but more importantly than that, I mean, look, there's there Texas is in on some key guys coming down the stretch here of the recruiting class. I mean, there's three receivers that I, we have our eye on in, inside Texas: DeAndre Moore, Jacoby Lane, possibly Jaden Greathouse. Then there's Anthony Hill at linebacker, obviously the on three five star, uh, Justin Benton, defensive lineman coming in for an official visit this weekend. Uh, so there's a number of guys Texas is still recruiting. They just offered Camorian Pimpton tied in out of North Crowley, which tells you Deuce Robinson's head of the USC or Georgia. But they're trying to close off that class as well with some key guys in their estimation, in their mind, which they've been going to make a, a, uh, in-home visits with. So there's a balancing act for sure. I, it, it's hard to argue with Texas recruiting strategy uh, for sure right now because I like that they wait late and they play the long game. They recruit through the whistle. I think that's absolutely the right thing to do. Yeah, I feel like they that's kind of been they got caught a little bit last year in this situation. Let's just be honest. Yeah. A couple of guys uh that they brought in did not necessarily mix well with the team. Didn't and, and mix well with the team is a, a big statement. Um didn't necessarily have the same work ethic they wanted uh or needed or would expect for bringing someone in from the outside. Uh yeah. when you bring in an older player, you want that older player to be uh, either easily uh, enrolled into your culture or to improve your culture. You don't want him to be a drag on it, right? I think that's a great point. And look, because Texas did have three-game improvement, eight and four. Some people could say, well, yeah, that could have been 10 wins. You could argue it could have been six. But it ended up being a three-game improvement. And the staff feels like they have things headed in the direction in the locker room in the program overall that they that that they're impressed or I guess they like what they're seeing right now from a team standpoint from a locker room standpoint and so this still comes down to 
you know, it's building a team versus collecting talent. And it's always going to be that way. And I think that's the most difficult thing for for college coaches uh, at the football level at the Blue Blood schools is is building a team versus collecting talent. And I like that they're being judicious uh, in the portal. I, I think it has to be the right fit because the worst thing you could do is bring in the wrong fit, somebody who's expecting to play, then it doesn't go their way. And then it just things can get a little messy from there. So I think Texas is on the right track. Uh, so I agree with what they're doing because I would not want to sacrifice team for one guy that's a little more talented that may not check all the boxes that you could get in the program. I'm totally against that right now for Texas. Got it. Got it. Um, I want to ask this question, not only of myself, but I want to bring Ian in uh, to answer this as well. Uh, how do you feel Ian, about the linebacker depth for Texas. A, for the bowl game, uh, we reported that Overshone is expected to be out uh, for that, and B, for next year. Well, right now, it's not very good. Definitely for the bowl game, it's a concern. Like, who's the Will linebacker that plays for Demo? I don't know. I don't know if the coaches know, right? It's. I think Benda was the backup in the season. We never really saw him, so it's hard to know exactly where he is and his – uh, current development. Uh, Mo Blackwell probably moves there. He's never played the position before. That's a tricky position to learn in two, in two weeks of practice. Um, I mean, there's some overlap with the star position he's been playing down the stretch of the year, but that's, that's tough. And, you know, Washington is very tricky with how they attack that position. So um, Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Yeah, I think for the bowl game, it's pretty bad. In terms of being able to build a really good linebacker backer core for next year. That's a very different, I mean, you could have early enrollees. If they get Anthony Hill and he's an early enrollee, they could have him for spring and fall. Um, if they go get somebody from the portal, linebacker is definitely a spot where you can find guys at the lower levels that come up and, and, and provide winning play. Um, I mean, just look at TCU, which won the big 12 with uh, a Navy transfer, Johnny Hodges. Um, Diamante Tucker-Dorsey probably a step down from that. He was still valuable for Texas this year. I think they have a lot of paths to being competent, at least, to potentially grade at linebacker next year when you – in some between Jalen Ford and whoever plays Will. But for the bowl game, I think it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough go. Does that, that, that put particular stress on the overall defense? Because uh, I tell you what uh, – Linebackers, DeMarvin Overshone and Jalen Ford had a whale of a year. And I circled that position as a big question mark going into it. I think, yeah. I think linebacker in general is, is sort of um, a sign of the health of your program in terms of its culture and development. Um, a lot of times when they make plays, it's because, you know, like your defensive line is setting them up and they know how to take advantage. Um, Jalen Ford is that and more. DeMarvin and Overshone got there after – you know, three years of playing the position, started to figure it out more after moving from safety. I, I think they can get there. I think they can support whoever plays Will. You know, if you're playing next to Ford, you're playing behind Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat, 
They're playing behind edges that'll probably be better still than they were this year. They're playing in front of Jaron Thompson. It's a it's a pretty decent setup to find a guy if your culture is good at um, developing and teaching guys how to play that position. But it's I think it, the position is is more that than it is about sheer talent. I want to put this question to both of you guys um, because I circled this guy um, for his play against Baylor because I thought he was so disruptive. Didn't get a ton of snaps, but he got quite a few. And I want to get your take on him, Ian, and then Jerry's on him possibly playing the Navarvi in an overshone role next year, and that's Maurice Blackwell. Ian, you start. Yeah, I think that I would like to see it. I'd like to see how it looks. Um, I think he's capable of – he can blitz like Overshone. He's a pretty good blitzer. I don't know if he's quite as fast or explosive, but um, he is he is explosive. He does get in the backfield. Uh, he'll take people on. I think he has the right mentality for the position. We, I, we don't know how big he is right now. Like we've heard he's around 210, 215 pounds. That might be generous. He looks not enormous, right? Um, I think he can definitely tackle and run and find the ball. But, you know, so much of inside linebacker is about anticipating blocks and flow and avoiding 300-pound people that are bigger and tougher and maybe meaner than you are. And so a lot of that is just, you know, learning the tricks of the trade, which he's had very little time to do. So I like, I'd like to see it. I think long-term, I, I'd say that that's worth a look. But, you know, is he going to be great at it in, in – December 29th against Washington, if he's put in that spot, I don't know. That's a tough, that's a tall order. Jerry, what are your thoughts, buddy? Yeah, I think uh, the interesting thing for me with um, uh, Maurice seeing him in high school is he was a special teams wizard as a high school player. I mean, he made he did a lot of things to find the football. He was one of those guys that, you know, it, no regard for his body, so to speak, the way he plays. Um, so, I agree with Ian, how big he is right now, how much weight he's carrying is an issue. I do think if they put him in the moment, he'll react well to that. I mean, look, Arlington Martin didn't win a state championship, but they go three, four rounds deep in the playoffs every year. Um, He's used to big-time competition. Uh, I think he has tremendous feet. Uh, One of the things I remember from watching him in high school is he had tremendous feet in the camp setting, prime 21, Dion's camp. Under Armour game, whatever it was, that he had tremendous feet um, and he had really good lateral agility. But he also has a physicality to him and a physical mindset. So everything outside of how much weight is he carrying, which I agree with Ian, all checks boxes for me on can he play it effectively. So I'm looking more to next year versus December 29th. If, if he can get up to 220, 225 pounds, I think he's got a chance to uh, surprise people. Jerry, the, other, the other one, Bobby, I would be interested um, it is, you know, there's a guy like B.J. Allen, not this December 29th, obviously taking a red shirt, but how big is he getting and could he get a look more as a spin down guy in time? Yeah, and, and I, I will take that because I think that that one of the issues right now, uh, you know, is is that I feel like uh, B.J. Allen has gotten big over the last year, a lot bigger. Um, I think that uh, he's at 210, 215, 220 pounds right now, which is really big for a safety uh, at his age in particular, right? Because he's just a year in. So where's his body going to be in two years' time? And is he going to be uh, the size of safety needs to be, or is he going to be a spin-down candidate? Uh, Athletically speaking, uh, you know, I think he can do 
just about anything. I, I think he's a tremendous athlete, uh, you know, but ultimately they're going to be looking at guys like that and seeing how they can get the best players on the field too. Uh, and I think that that's a, that's a reality. Hey, Jerry, I had a question for you. Yeah. Uh, and this is on Kamari and Pimpton. Uh, have we, from Victor Paul, have we heard anything on if Kamari and Pimpton will take a visit to Texas December 17th on the big recruiting weekend before signing day? Yeah, I just actually just sent uh, – I saw that question come across, and I have not heard on that, so I just sent a text out. So we'll see if we get a response here in the next few minutes. Ohio State was in home as what the same day that Texas offered, and he's going to LSU this weekend. So, I mean, he's – you know what I talk about your senior riser. There's your guy. I mean, he made an, he's been a Vanderbilt commitment for a long time. I'll be surprised if he signs with Vanderbilt, obviously. He made an official to Utah during the season. He went to Texas for an unofficial – and the word was Texas was just going to kind of play a long game there, see what happened with Deuce Robinson. Texas was out in Phoenix area Wednesday, I believe. Then Pimpton was offered Wednesday night. So that kind of is pretty uh, – the tea leaves for their tea leave readers on inside Texas and whatnot, that's a pretty strong indication. Uh, but Ohio State's trying to push for that December 17th visit as well. Now the kicker is could he do a midweek and then do an, a weekend visit? Sure, he has – the visit to do that. He has the visit dates to do that or a number of visits he could take. I expect them to be on one of those two campuses on the 17th. I'll be surprised if it's not Texas. Uh, the question is, did Texas just offer too late in the game? But I know his family members like the idea of him staying closer to home. I do know that for a fact. So we'll see if Texas can get across the finish line late in this one, get him to campus. Hey, I want to add this. Uh, have you heard anything on Ryland Kennedy lately? The edge player that Texas offered uh, A&M subsequently offered. Yeah. I mean, there's been a dozen schools come in on him late. He's a basketball player first, correct? but played football as a senior and just had a whale of a senior campaign. Have you heard anything more on him setting up a visit or anything? Or I have is, not. Has, has, I have, that, has that calmed down since Colton Vosick's commitment kind of? Yeah, I don't think uh, I haven't heard anything on an official visit being set up. Um, I did hear that the Texas staff was by uh, Kennedy's uh, Lake Ridge High School earlier this week, um, but I have not got, been able to get a confirmation of a visit date has been set. I do know that's a legitimate offer. They really like the upside of Kennedy. Um, so we'll see if something happens with that either this weekend or next weekend. I think this December 17th setting up to be the big weekend. Though. I mean, Justin Benton's the only guy on campus, known guy on campus this weekend. So we'll see if anybody's added to that. Got it. Um, question here for Ian. Uh, Ian, you think Cedric Baxter and Jonathan Brooks are the two main backs next year? Seems like it. Um, Jaden Blue has a little bit of a unique skill set, so he might he might get in there a little more than than you might think. Just for isn't he a lot like Keelan Robinson? Yeah, I mean maybe maybe a little better in some regards. Um, very good receiver out of the backfield with his uh, reputation out of high school, kind of think, kind of wondered if he might end up becoming a slot receiver. It doesn't look like that's in the cards. Um, I don't know if he's particularly interested in that, but they throw to the, they throw to the running back a lot in this offense, so they can. So I, I could see him actually having a pretty significant role for that reason. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe, maybe Baxter and Brooks are the two like main feature backs, like feed them 20 times kind of guys. But um, they can't both be that. So there's a chance that Blue actually has a maybe a little more prominence than whichever of those two guys plays less. 
Um, or maybe like Keelan with Roshan and, 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 um, and Bijan where uh, he's always involved, but you know, the other two do take more prominence. I don't know. It probably depends a little bit on how, how versatile Baxter and Brooks proved to be. Yeah. Well. Let, let me bring Jerry in on this question. Cause I think it's a good question, Jerry. You've seen Cedric Baxter more than either John or, or Ian or I have for sure. You've been by the high school at least a couple times and seen him throughout his uh, high school career. You've seen Jonathan Brooks in high school and in college. Um, you know, Brooks has acquitted himself very well every time he's got a chance to play, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and so he goes in number one, but Baxter, you're talking about the number one recruit and number one running back in the country. I mean, same as Bijan was. I mean, and you couldn't really keep Tom Herman tried to keep Bijan off the field as a freshman. Could couldn't end up doing it, particularly in the bowl game, right? Yeah. Um, but my point is, you know, do you see those two guys just being so much better than the Jaden Blue caliber that that these guys are the clear two two guys next year? No question. Uh, no question for me. Um, they both have more contact balance, power um, on contact, uh, ability to run in between the tackles. Um, really, Jaden Blue's more of a space player, uh, more of a – he's yeah, and, got – Ian, and that's, what, that's what Ian was saying. Why he thought yeah. maybe he might be a, a slot at some point, right? Yeah. Well, and I think Jaden Blue's competition is going to be Trey Wisner. At that, you know, I think they're going to be kind of fighting in that same role, same position. Obviously, Blue's got more of a natural running back body type. Wisner's more of the six foot, hundred and eighty pound guy, five eleven and a half, hundred and eighty pound guy. But you know, and maybe Jaden Blue surprises us all this spring. But running in between the tackles, dropping his pads, and maximizing runs isn't really his deal. It never, it wasn't in high school. Even though he put up big numbers, if you really watched a full game of his in high school, he wasn't a big tackle breaker that was sitting out there bouncing off of two, three guys and making a five run, uh, five yard run, nineteen through contact power. Uh, he was more of a space player. Uh, I think Cedric Baxter and Brooks are very similar in one regard. And I think it's something to, in, to watch for Texas fans. They both have really long arms for running backs. So they don't not, and they're tremendous talents. I think both guys are NFL prospects. They, they, they both have to work on ball protection as they get more carries at this next level. Um, those guys have long arms. They don't naturally pocket a football well. As talented as Cedric Baxter is, everybody has something they need have to work on, and that's going to be a big one for him. Um, Baxter's a little bit bigger guy. I think um, he's really good in the passing game, and it just doesn't – it's not shown much. I've just seen that up close uh, in the camp setting or at Edgewater practices. He's really good pass catcher as well. So I, I don't think there's – other than experience, I don't think there's going to be a big drop off there as he gets comfortable. Again, the biggest thing is he's in for uh, spring football practice. And I think that's going to create great competition to push Cedric and uh, Jonathan Brooks. I'll say the other thing about Cedric Baxter that is, to me, is always impressed is he's your typical Sunshine State kid. Uh, so for the fans that are just familiar with Texas high school football, it's not really the same setup there. There's not 10 full-time coaches at these, at these public schools with an athletic period in a weight room and facilities. So people just say, see that, oh, man, he's 6'1 and a half, 215 pounds. That's unbelievable. Well, for the people that haven't really seen him yet, he's raw physically. I think his body's going to explode at the college level starting this spring. You know, you're talking about putting him on a nutrition program. In a, in a strength and conditioning program and him being in in January, 
getting spring football and, and the practices, the workouts, and all through the summer, I think you're looking at a six-one and three-quarters, 225-pound guy as a freshman that looks a lot different than the high school photos you see right now. Yeah, and, and I, I have to say, um, you know, I feel like Sark, as we watched that offense this year, um, as the season went on, it became more and more clear uh, that Texas wanted to have that power back mm -hmm. as a adjunct to what they were trying to do downfield. And they end up leaning on the power run more than they did even the down the downfield passing because that's what they needed to do to win. But a scat back like a Keelan Robinson has a place in a Steve Sarkeesian offense, but it's not a focal point. Um, because at the end of the day, he wants the guy to get four to six yards and set him up for second and four, right? Um, he That's what he's looking for, not necessarily a, 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 you know, he doesn't want the one-yard run on a reverse because the guy couldn't really slip out of a tackle or make somebody uh, slip out of an arm tackle on on something, uh, like maybe Keelan Robinson or those guys. I, I, I just feel like we get a sense of what he wants really at that marquee running back position and both Brooks and Baxter provide that for him at some level. Um, I want to say thank you again to our sponsor uh, before I get to this one question from Justin Yarbrough. Uh, ask the, what's that? Can I ask the jury a question about Baxter real quick? Yeah. Yeah. And so let me finish. Let me do this uh, advertising read. I got it. We got to pay the bills first, Dean. Come on now. <laughs> you know this uh, stuck in the corporate rat race with two weeks PTO and no control over the money you make. You can make or your schedule in general. Call Andy Ludicky. He will take you through a process to help find a business that will fit your skill sets and financial goals. Franchise ownership isn't for everyone, but if you have a desire to take control of your destiny, call Andy or email him at Andy at myperfectfranchise.net. That's Andy at myperfectfranchise.net. Now I will absolutely allow you to ask uh, uh, Jerry your Cedric Baxter question, Ian. Thank you. Um, Jerry, I'm not off the top of my head. I'm not thinking of very many Texas running backs in history that have been six, two ish, two twenty five. Um, uh, I've seen some of Baxter, obviously I'm, I, I haven't dove in like you have, but he, power back for sure. Who is a good cop for him? Maybe at the college level that we've seen nationally over the last few years. I, I, I there's two that have always come to my mind. Um, um, one was, uh, um, also from Charles Power uh, on three scout director scouting, Larry Johnson from the old school days at Penn State was kind of the one of the first guys him and I discussed. I've I've kind of said Melvin Gordon a little bit too. I'm not sure if he's quite as seventy yard fast, Leo you know, long run fast as Melvin Gordon, but those are guys that I think are similar. Cedric Baxter stays around two two hundred and twenty pounds. I think there's some Melvin Gordon there. If he gets up to two thirty, two thirty five. He gets more of that Larry Johnson uh, comparison. I think those are the two closest guys I've seen. Anybody from uh, south of the Mason-Dixon line? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd have to think about that one a little bit. If I, if I if I remember it here in the next few minutes, I'll kick it back to you. All right. <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, this is from Justin Yarbrough, guys. Could we see uh, Savion Red or uh, Jordan Whittington in the back backfield? That's a great uh, Having only three backs – and how does it look going into the 2024 recruiting class? Well, I I don't think they're going to play either of those guys at running back during the bowl game. I 
maybe in the diamond formation every so often. I think Keelan Robinson's going to get some totes. I, I, and I think Jonathan Brooks is the guy. Um, you know, that that's my my thought process. Jerry, how or how is it going in the 2024 recruiting class? Who have who have the Longhorns offered at running back in 2024? Well, the most recent was Longview uh, junior running back Taylor Tatum, who's had a huge run, huge season, obviously, but really been good in the playoffs. I think he got offered after a five touchdown playoff game, uh, a Longview Lobos win. Um, so that's the latest offer. You look nationally, Jarrett Gibson at IMGs from Gainesville, Florida, was kind of the, the guy that Tashar Choice has been on a while. Um, that that offer and that recruitment, Texas was already on him, but that really transferred over to Texas when Tashar Choice was hired. Uh, so when you start looking outside the state of Texas, Jarrett Gibson is a guy that Texas has been in the battle for. He's been on campus either late last spring or last summer. You know, look, the competition's Tennessee, Florida, maybe Georgia, right? So can you pull it off again out of the state of Florida? We'll see. Um, but that's who they've been in on. He's at IMG now, but he again, he's from Gainesville, Florida. Uh, it seems like Tennessee kind of became the main competition there uh, for Texas during the season. He was at the Alabama game in Knoxville when Tennessee beat Alabama. So he's been on the campuses a few times. Obviously, he's been on the Florida campus. Um, I don't know if Florida is the spot he ends up, though, just talking to him at IMG earlier this year. We'll see. It's a long time until these kids actually sign but make a decision. Uh, but he's the big national name right now, and he's he's ranked the one, two, or three running back in the junior class nationally. Uh, so, I, And I think Texas will continue to evaluate that position. I think you'll see uh, probably one or two more offers uh, happen around the junior days, whether that's in January or February. Um I'm going to answer this one uh, for the group. Xavier Worthy playing in the bowl game. He was out there on the practice field today. Uh, so we'll see, you know, can I guarantee you that he's going to play the bowl game? The answer is no, because as we've said on this program and elsewhere, only one person knows what Xavier Worthy is going to do, and that's Xavier Worthy. Uh, but he was on the practice field today. Two people that weren't, and I heard they were actually offensive assistants today, uh, are Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson. Uh, the majority of the coaches actually were on the road for today's right. practice, first bowl practice. So the uh, GAs and grad and uh, other assistants, part-time assistants, ran the practice for most of today uh, while the regular coaches were on the road recruiting. Um, uh, and I was told, it was very interesting, I was told both Roshan and Bijan were actually coaching the running backs today. How's that for How's that for a, a little work, uh, a little uh, – uh, teamsmanship. Uh, hey, hey, would any when when either of you guys bet against Roshan working in the front office of an NFL team one day? I would not. I think that is exactly where he's headed in his career after football. You know what I'd like? You know, people like that. Uh, this is a this is a great point, Jerry. And I, I want to give me one minute on this. Yeah. People like that tend to be able to see more easily people that are similar to them from a toughness scenario. They yeah. just, uh, you know, we see toughness and I, I'm not as tough as Roshan. <laughs> you know what I mean? You, you, got, you guys know what I'm talking about yes. here. Somebody help me out and talk about this because I feel like guys like that, you know, birds of a feather flock together, right? That's yeah. what I'm saying. He goes into a front office. He's going to, it's like almost, you know, it's like be like Ozzie Newsom with the Ravens. Yeah, he was one of those hard-nosed, tough players. No doubt, tough, came out of a tough program. 
he knew what he liked and he, he just had a formula. They knew what they liked. They drafted so well uh, for so long. It's that kind of, kind of thing. And I don't, I don't know if Roshan even wants to do that to your point, right? That's yeah. what, but, but those guys being a scout or leading a personnel department, it's like a, they, they will have a feel that maybe 90% of other folks just have no, no, and you no add, real feel for. And you add natural leadership qualities to that. And I think that makes him a perfect for what you said. And adding, again, I've never seen a backup running back be the leader of a program. I, maybe y'all have. I haven't. And he was this year. So you add that to him, to his skill set too. And I think he just, he he's just a guy, see if he wants to do it, running an NFL team one day. I really can see it with him. He's also got, got the uh, he's also got the moral authority of uh, you know I moved from quarterback to running That's back. Right. I played backup and stayed for multiple years and led yes. the team. Like all the things that a personnel guy wants to tell a player, right. he can say you should do it. I did, you know. Yeah, um, that's that's got to count for something too. I, I think what, all three of those points is what's going to make him just the, what we've talked about. I I just I'll be shocked if he's not. Maybe he wants to be the head coach of Texas one day. I don't know, but. He, if that guy's not working high up in football, I'll be very surprised. Hey, um, Jerry, take this on because I've seen people mention Jaden Blue was the number one running back in the country. Um, he wasn't, was he? No, no. Okay, no, no, no. all right. I, I want to make sure that because uh, Des Garrett here said Blue was the number one back in the country. He's not going to stick around and play slot or a gadget, dude. He'd portal first. Um, you know, here's the reality of that. Uh, Jaden is a, a big enough guy that – that he just has to figure out whether or not he can run, but Texas has to figure out whether or not he can run between the tackles. Yeah. We haven't seen that really at right. this point. We've seen him try to hit it outside um, quite a bit because that's where that, I mean, his speed is, is his calling card to a certain degree as his hands are too out of the backfield. And so that's what we've seen. So it's not, I want to be clear. We're not dismissing Jaden blue uh, because that's not the, that's not the way we do it here. It's just that, We've seen that from George, Jonathan Brooks, and that is absolutely the type of player that Cedric Baxter is. He's not a I need to hit it outside guy to show what I do best. He's a I'm going to break tackles guy in mm -hmm. between the tackles. Uh, and so that's why those guys tend, uh, given Steve Sarkeesian's offense, uh, to perform better uh, overall. Do you all agree with that? Yes. Okay. All right. Um, all right. Uh, let's go again. A, a couple other things here. Um, hey, 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 can I ask a question real quick, Bobby? Yeah. Um, Ian, I think it's fascinating because I think DeBoer is one of the best under 50 college football coaches going. People look at his resume. The Washington coach. Washington, Washington coach, yeah. Ellen DeBoer. Yeah. Having watched Washington, what does the quarterback do well? Obviously, he's a lefty. I think the interesting thing is with all these quarterback transfers in college football, he's a guy that ended up back with his former OC, which doesn't happen a lot, who's now the head coach. What do you like that you've seen from him so far? For people that haven't seen a lot of him, because I guarantee you not many people have watched him play. I mean, he's, he's he looks like one of those Steve, Steve Sarkeesian quarterbacks that was really effective in college and maybe didn't do as much in the NFL. He knows where – you know, he knows where his throws are. He knows where to find them. He knows how to set them up with his eyes, and he hits them. He hits the guys downfield when they're wide open. Um, can hit the over routes that Quinn Ewers hit so well. He hits the go, the goes and the posts. Um, 
He's just DeBoer, DeBoer is, I mean, him and Sark are very, very similar. You're going to see a lot of the same sorts of formations and motions and play calls. And, um, and Phoenix just, he understands the system and how it works and he gets the ball and makes the plays that are there to be made. Um, I, he does actually move around pretty well. He usually moves around to throw, not to run, but he'll, he'll take off and run too and get some stuff. But mostly he's just, he's out there moving around in the pocket with like the way the Ewers did when he did it well and um, using his eyes to, to make sure that there's no one around when he takes the shot that they drew up on the chalkboard, you know, Tuesday. So I, that, that's about as, <clears throat> about as succinct as I can put it from what I've seen so far. He's uh, I would add this to him. He's, he's mobile. Like he does, but he doesn't run to run. He runs to, to pass. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like he's pretty, he's not a great mobile quarterback, but he's got some mobility to him and some escapability. Uh, I had seen him play a couple times at, at Indiana. I was like, right. yeah. and, and when he went into portal, I, before, you know, before Texas had gotten uh, uh, Quinn Ewers, I was like, Whoa, this guy's a starter. You know, he would be better than what Texas would have coming back with Hudson Card. Um, hey, so, I mean, they would have they won the Big 12 if they'd taken him. They would have yes. missed out on, uh, you know, Quinn Ewers. Ewers. This yeah. is the big debate right now. Is, yeah. Will Ewers' future quality make it worthwhile? But for, for 2022, if they'd taken this guy, they would have won. He's, he's, he's good. Yeah, he's a three-year starter. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And going to be a four-year because he plays next year, too. Yes. He's coming back. He's decided. And I would say that the, the game I watched them play, Jerry, uh, against Washington State, it was really the only game I saw the entire game all the way through for Washington this year. Um, because at that point in time, I had heard that Texas might be playing Washington in the Alamo Bowl. So I said, I need to tape the the Apple Cup. And I ended up watching the whole thing live. I just um, – the – the reality of it is for those guys is that he was on the money downfield and his receivers snatched the ball. They didn't let it come down on them. They were, they were up with their hands. I was like, wait a minute, where are these guys from? Um, now I will say this. I don't know how fast those guys are. Right. Um, but from a hands perspective, you said, Hey, Ian, uh, you said that it reminded you of Steve Sarkeesian uh, uh, quarterbacks where it didn't necessarily do as well in the pros. Those receivers, I don't know their speed, but they remind me of those BYU receivers of the old that would catch everything on their hands and just like flypaper. I think it's going to be a – that's a good offense uh, that Texas is going to run into. They do have uh, – their 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 main receivers have, I think, pretty solid recruiting rankings. Um so they may be, they may actually be pretty good athletes. They have a couple of like, uh, you know, mid, low to mid nineties rated guys in, in their secondary, including their, I believe, including their two thousand yard guys. That maybe I'm mistaken. Uh, maybe Jerry remembers these guys, or if he sees their names, he'll remember who they are. But um, yeah, I, I think in particular to your point about athleticism too, for Texas, the concern may be, um, you you don't want to bust a coverage against these guys. They are they are good at creating busts, and then they will really make you pay. Uh, Got it. If, if they can just beat Texas straight up, then I, this can be a. Hey, uh, Jerry, I want to I want to go back to recruiting real quick for you. Yep. Okay, uh, King Me says I'm from the Temple Belton area. How is the Texas Micah Hudson, the wide receiver from Lake Belton, 
number, I think the number one receiver in the state, at least right. on paper right now, heading into the 2024 class. How is the Texas Micah Hudson relationship looking? Yeah, I think uh, they've developed a good relationship all season. Uh, he, he was on campus at Texas more than anywhere else since June after not being on campus there for a while. Uh, so I think Brennan Marion and Steve Sarkeesian, they've targeted him in the 2024 class. And I think that matters in the relationship developing. I think it's consistent communication. It's strong communication. Uh, so I think Texas is pushing all those right buttons. And look, they have the relationship set up to where they're going to have a chance to win the recruitment. And that's really all you can ask. And he'll be on campus again, either January, February, junior days. Uh, so everything's moving in their correct direction there. Um, what'll be interesting when you start looking at 2024 receiver recruiting I think is, you know, right now we're so portal focused, right? What if Texas takes two more wides, two more high school wideouts, and suddenly you have four? What if they took five and took Jaden Greathouse? I don't think it happens, but what if they took just took two more guys and you have four guys there? I don't think the numbers, because that's what people start asking, what about numbers? I don't think the numbers affect the guys talented as Micah Hudson, but it could affect how many guys they take in 2024 beyond a Micah Hudson. Got it. Uh, I think that that's, that's all fair. Um, let me ask you this, uh, you know, and I've got one question here because we we dealt with this a little bit. Texas was up uh, in New Jersey uh, earlier this week talking to one of these guys. It says uh, from Victor Paul, it's a recruiting question, Jerry. Are we looking at Dylan Spencer as a defensive end that will line up opposite of uh, opposite side of Ethan Burke? Also, Sadir Mitchell and Marcus Dill would have been an unstoppable force had have they let up recruiting on deal at this point. And that's from Victor Paul. Yeah, so I think I think Dylan Spencer's an interesting prospect for me. Um, and I say that because Jure Bledsoe, Chris Ross recruited as inside guys. They're still 258, 260 pounds right now. So they're not interior guys right now. Dylan Spencer's frame-wise is similar to those guys coming out of high school. He's a 6'5", 250, 252-pound guy. So which of those guys, when you add Dylan Spencer to the mix, which of those guys are going to carry the weight that they Texas needs to move inside and play inside. I think that's more so to the Dylan Spencer part of that uh, answer is, you know, his frame is that of a 290 pound guy long-term. So it's going to be interesting to see how long it takes him to get there. Um, but I do wonder how long it's going to take him to get there since Bloodzo and Ross both haven't stacked much weight on headed into the spring and Texas needs those guys too, honestly. Um, so Sadil, um, you know, look, Texas didn't let up recruiting on Marcus Deal. He picked TCU. I mean, that's just something you don't get them all. Uh, and I think when this recruitment began at the start of the season, the family loved the idea. Obviously, coaches, football coach, his father, mom's in education and former volleyball player, eh, that they loved the idea of him playing close to home. At that time, it was Oklahoma and Texas. They went to that TCU-Oklahoma game probably to watch Oklahoma, not probably, to watch Oklahoma, even though he'd taken an official visit to TCU. It was more Texas and OU. Then TCU season, uh, they that jumped up and, and ends up he's an hour away from home. And I think that really appealed to the parents. That's just a recruitment TCU won, and Texas did not win, bottom line. Uh, Sadir Mitchell, uh, look, Georgia's not going to back off till signing day. You don't back off of great players. Uh, and – that's the interesting, interesting thing about Sadir Mitchell. He's being recruited like a great player by the universities. Miami never gave up. A&M never gave up. Uh, but Georgia's the only team 
with a chance here. Kirby Smart was in home Sunday. Texas followed up with Bo Davis and uh, Kyle Flood Monday. Sarkeesian will be back. Sadir Mitchell still scheduled to be in Austin December 17th. Georgia will not give up on that. Um, and he's being recruited like a great player by the number one team in America. So for Texas fans, that tells you how good Sadir is. <laughs> it gives you a feel, right? Yeah, I mean, hey, look, Georgia doesn't have to go to New Jersey to recruit a defensive lineman. Right. <laughs> okay. That is the they truth. They can get whoever they want south, and they're still going up there after he's been committed to Texas since July. That tells you how good Kirby Smart, Will Muschamp, Trey Scott think he is and how good Bo Davis, Kyle Flood, Sarkeesian think he is. All right, we got to take – everybody's got to take one player different here, Okay. okay. Who's the only from Gene Gasoline? He asks, who's the one player currently in the portal to whom you wish Texas would extend an offer? Who's the one player you wish Texas would extend an offer? Um, Jerry, you've had pink eye for the last week and a half, yeah. uh, going through day 10 of this. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna ask you, I'm gonna we're gonna let you go first since uh since uh, you are the one suffering the most right now. Yeah, by the way, I'm going to throw out the, the, one of the 1,000-yard receivers at Washington's Jalen McMillan from Fresno San Joaquin Memorial. So that should be motivation for Xavier Worthy to be the best Fresno area wide receiver December 29th because this guy put up 1,000 yards this season. Um, you know, I look at it, it and I don't want to jump into wide receiver because I think they're going to get a guy or two here at the end. Um, but if, I mean, look, it's hard to pass up not offering somebody like a rah, rah Thomas at Mississippi state. Who's put it on the board in the sec West, right? He's, he's a guy I would love to see Texas offer just because I think he may be the best receiver out there. Um, you know, he's a guy that's put up 630 yards as a sophomore. He's from Eufalia, Alabama. Um, I believe he's visiting Ole Miss this weekend in Georgia early next week. That tells you how coveted he's going to be. He's, he's, Probably he's picked up 14, 15 offers thus far. So he's as offered, he has as many offers as anybody since jumping to the portal from major universities. I mean, Utah, Auburn, everybody's offered the kid that's seen him. So he would be the guy for me because that to me is a guy who's a different talent level. I'm looking at guys like that who can really take you to the help take you to the next level. Uh, Ian. Man, I'm uh, scrolling the names right now. Uh, you know, I would love if they could get a veteran quarterback. It would be like a one-year rental that could either be push viewers or be insurance. Um, really what they the, – the big impact would be a weak side end. And there's not just a ton of those guys in the portal right now. Those are those guys are hard to come by to the earlier point about waiting around. Sometimes you got to wait for something like a coaching change. Maybe a guy's like, oh, you know what? Like they're going to a three down or something, and this yeah. this, this scheme sucks for me. I got to get out of here. Um, so, right, they that's what they want is an edge. I don't see a ton in there that are perfect for Texas. I, I'd be curious to know a little more about Clayton Smith from Oklahoma and why he's in the portal. Um, it seems like if he were a really great impact player, they would have found exactly. a role for him this last exactly. year. At yeah. the same time, they are moving to more of a three-down flyover scheme that doesn't really maximize his position. So maybe there's something there. I know there's a coastal edge and coastal Carolina edge in there. That's you know, I don't know. <laughs> He'd probably help Texas, but I don't know. It feels like they could do better. 
So I, I don't, I don't have a great answer. Maybe that, uh, maybe that, uh, John Wilkes Booth Tyson kid, uh, that was with Sark at Alabama. Maybe, maybe he'd be a good guy to just have on the program just for his knowledge of the offense. Hey, hey by the way, uh, Bobby, before you answer, let's talk about this real quick and I'll let you answer. Then y'all can comment on this. I think Texas was on, by and large, the correct portal guys last year. They lost out on Drew Sanders. Drew Sanders is now projected first-round pick. How much would that have changed the Texas team this year? So keep going, Bobby. Uh, hey, Latavius <laughs> Brini, the safety, yeah. started started every game for, for Arkansas, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's you're not wrong. That other kid, too, um, was it from UNLV that Jacoby – Linebacker Wendell? Michigan State. Right. Yeah, he was having a really good season before he committed assault in the Michigan allegedly, <laughs> yeah. allegedly committed assault in the Michigan tunnel. So yeah, yeah, they were right about him too. I guess I don't. You know, I, I got to say this about that situation, and that that definitely is assault. So let's not. I don't want to. <laughs> but how many fights on a football field could have been called assaults through the years? Yeah, I mean, come on. I mean, literally. I mean, I've seen guys. Was it Lamar Thomas? Uh, the old Miami wood receiver that was swinging his helmet wildly at people that he was swinging in the booth a few years ago. I just, <laughs> I'm just saying if that's not assault, um, you know, my guy is um, a little bit different uh, in that I, I, I could see the quarterback backup kind of guy that, that Ian's talking about is insurance because um, you know, Murphy is going to be a true fresh or a Fred shirt freshman. Arch Manning will be a true freshman. Charles Wright really hasn't done much uh, for the Longhorns. So I could see that uh, being one, a receiver. I agree. They're going to get somebody. I don't know who uh, and what they'll look like. Um, I'm going to go with a corner. Um, and they have offered uh, Gavin Holmes, uh, the uh, young man out of uh, Wake Forest. I'm going to go with a, a corner out of North Carolina named Storm Duck. Uh, I know that. First of all, I love you just want to take a Mac Brown starter. Let's get uh, real. <laughs> Everybody else is. You may as well too. <laughs> well, he's got. He's keeping his quarterback. Uh, yeah, that's the most important part there. But no, I, I think that he would be the guy uh, at corner uh, that I would probably offer. And I'm not. I, look, I think Texas needs more than one DB in the in the, the portal. I'm a big believer that uh, they were just way too thin. And I don't know that what's behind them in, in the waiting in the wings is good enough to rely on because it, it, at the end of the day, only really Terrence Brooks came on and played a lot. Uh, even after all of those injuries of the freshman, Austin Jordan saw very sparse playing time. Uh, Xavion Bryce didn't see any BJ Allen didn't see any Larry Turner Goodman very, or, um, did not see much at all. All of those young kids, only Terrence Brooks really seemed to come on at the end of the year. Um, and so I, I, you're losing Jamison, you're losing Anthony Cook. And by, and by the way, I, I don't think Gilbo's going to be back for the spring based on what I've heard. Yeah. So he's not going to be there for spring football. So that puts a little more emphasis on getting another guy who can compete at safety, uh, the nickel position, because Look, I mean, th that's a big loss if he's out for all the spring and doesn't get back till late in the summer. Yep. Hey, Jerry, this is a question for you. Is Texas still looking to add Jelani McDonald, the linebacker out of Waco, uh, to the class? And at what position would he play? 
Yeah, it, that would be that'd be that more that will linebacker, I believe. Um, he's scheduled to come in December 17th. He's at TCU this weekend. And so everybody's just like, oh, layup for TCU. Lamarcus McDonald, his dad, played there. You know, look, I, I'll say this about TCU. Um, they're hunting defensive backs more than linebacker right now, late in this class. So if two or three DBs fell away, and I'm not saying they wouldn't take Jelani McDonald, plus what's in the portal, what they're looking at in the portal, look, Ian mentioned that the experienced linebacker, the, uh, Hodge, I mean, that was a huge get out of the portal. Um, I, I It's an interesting It's interesting because I think experienced linebackers who are really good out of the portal really impact teams. Um, I think it's – especially when you look at a McDonald kid who is a developmental player. He's a high school quarterback, jack of all trades, tremendous athlete, 20 points a game in basketball. But he's – him and Darian Gallette are very similar. They're going to have to learn how to play a position – and play it with physicality at the power five level. So that's not add water instant player scenario. So if TCU thought they were going to hit on those DBs they wanted, what if they could pull off three defensive backs? Do they take the extra defensive back instead of the high school linebacker? We'll see what happens. I personally have a hard time believing they turned down LaMarcus McDonald's son. And I do think TCU's ahead of Texas going into these two visit weekends. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I, I think that they're – I think it's interesting. They're going to be riding that a little bit, right? Um, and so we'll we'll have to wait and see. Um, all right, they do, have a, they do have an easier sell for McDonald because they have a sort of apex linebacker position that yeah. is removed in space, and so you don't have to do as much of the Mike inside linebacker type things. Texas doesn't have that position because they use a true nickel, so it's a it's a, a easy selling point for TCU and getting like tweener athletes like that, and and getting them in the program more quickly. Interesting. Uh, yep. Question, is Justin Flo not good enough to get an offer from Texas? He's the linebacker uh, out of that went into the portal out of uh, Oregon. He was a backup uh, for the Ducks to a guy a year older than him. Uh, I, I think I can see Texas going after Justin Flo. I don't know that Texas is going to do that, though, until they see where they end up in the recruiting class with Anthony Hill uh, out of Denton Ryan. Uh, that's that's uh, basically what I believe is going on right there. Uh, Andrew, uh, as we see that, um, I, I thought, I thought flow, by the way, guys, I thought flow was a really uh, inflated prospect. And I hate to say it coming out of high school. Um, not a long arm guy, um, really very muscle bound guy. Um, and I'm not surprised that, you know, it hasn't gone as well as people expected on that one. We're not right on all these we're wrong. Plenty. Um, but, being around that one in the camp setting, I'm not. I, that one doesn't surprise me. I'm not sure that's. I'll, I'll guess I'll be surprised if Texas offers them. I'll say that doesn't mean they won't. Yeah. Um. Hey, here's one. Uh, is it just me that loves Andrew Armstrong, uh, the wide receiver out of Texas A&M Commerce? No, it's not. Uh, I think that that's a guy that Texas could easily offer a scholarship to. Again, I just don't. I think they're waiting to see how they finish up recruiting before they go into the portal and just yeah. offer willy-nilly. Uh, and I'm not saying he's not good enough to play for Texas. I mean, he's better uh, than than Casey Kane, in my opinion, immediately. Right. Um, but at the same time, let's let's see what the numbers look like. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think that's what it boils down to. Uh, if Texas was – and I'm not predicting it. There's no RPM. If Texas is able to flip Jacoby Lane from USC, I don't think you see Armstrong get offered. I think it's pretty much as simple as that. Yeah, I, I would agree too. Uh, need to say this, and then we got a couple more questions for the guys. 
Uh, Andy Ludicky says, are you looking to, divert, to diversify? You may be someone like me that has their hands in multiple businesses. Well, Andy can help you diversify by finding you businesses that will fit your time allotment and financial goals. Call him or email him to learn more. He's got a really cool process. I did it. It's Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net. Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net. Uh, and he can help you get the new year started with a new business. All right. Um, hey, guys, uh, a couple other questions that we have here at this point, I guess, uh, and that I think are, are valuable. Uh, there were a couple of DBs from New Mexico. That oh, that's the, a great uh, point. Order, yeah, we need to talk uh, about week. one of these kids. Uh, yeah. yeah. Jerry, you want to take that? Yeah. Um, um, the, 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 the kid from Fort Bend Halsey. Marshall. I think it's what? Halsey. Yeah. Yeah, Halsey. Okay. Texas actually evaluated that kid coming out of high school. Um, and I went over to uh, Fort Bend Marshall actually to see Chris Marshall and, and the guys practice. And Halsey is a, was a really good player. I think here – and here's where recruiting is interesting and here's where the portal is great for Blue Blood programs. People question how fast he was coming out of high school. But now that he's put it on the board at, at the college level – and looks really good doing it. They don't have those questions anymore. Now I know he's good enough. Then I know he plays fast enough, which is probably more important than how he would time in a camp setting. But man, he is built like a running back. He is five. He was in high school. I don't know what he is now. He's five eleven, close to two hundred pounds, but built just strong looking kid, physical kid, um, active football player. And he was a guy who wanted to thump you. And he played corner. He played safety. He did kind of anything he was asked to do. And I was a big fan of his coming out of high school. And, and that probably should have been a name I, I jumped on. Uh, I'm so glad somebody asked that question. That probably would have been the guy I say offer because I think Texas needs safety help playmaking as much as anything. Jerry, right. he's listed He's listed at 5'11", 220 on their roster page. Yeah, I, I, I would think that's right. He's built like an NFL tailback. I'm just telling you. Maybe he's a linebacker. Hey, uh Hey, uh, this is this is for you, uh, and then I want to get everybody's opinion of it. It's for you, Ian, first, though, uh, from Steve Majors. What will our strongest positions be next year, and what positions will be a concern? I think uh, offensive tackle may be an enormous plus, just because, I mean, Kelvin Banks should be uh, – Kelvin Banks might be the best player in the league next year. Kelvin Banks at times close to being the best player in the league this year. Um, and then you add, you know, you get Cam Williams pans out or Neto or Hayden Connor bumps out there and gives them a solid. That's a potentially enormous impact position where they are just head and shoulders above the rest of the league next year. So I just between the quality and just how big of a gap they may enjoy there. Um, I think a lot of the league's uh, edges are also be a little thinner next year. So that's another reason for that. Defensive tackle, I think, is still a big plus with Byron Murphy and Devondre Sweat. Um, well, I'll just leave it at offensive tackle, and I'll, I'll leave Jerry to, to shore up with another another spot. Go for it, Jerry. Yeah, well, I, my, my number one was uh, strongest position was going to be tied in. Um, I yeah. think they have yeah. – I, I think they may have the one of the top three tight ends in the – four tight ends in the country. I think Gunnar Helm is a more than serviceable player. Um, I think Juan Davis, some of those guys are going to continue to grow in the program. Uh, I really like what, where they're going to be at at tight end. I think that's experience and talent combined and some versatility as well with it. And so that's kind of 
my strongest position. I agree. I wasn't. I'm not going to piggyback off Ian. I think left tackle um, is is going to be, and I think the whole left side of the line is going to end up being really good. I, I think either Cole Hudson moves to left guard, or you could see a Neto Neto come in the left guard. I think left guard is going to end up being a real strength. Left side is going to be a real strength of this team. Um, if they defense, can get Campbell there, do if what? They, if they can get Campbell comfortable there, I think come. I think Campbell will be the starting right guard, and I think Hudson will flip the left. I I would like to see Campbell and and Banks work together on some combo blocks though. Yeah, yeah, uh, but I think that's I think Campbell's going to play right and Cole's going to move the left, and I think that's kind of the plan. Um, uh, and then uh, it, defensively, you know, I'm looking at that, and I mean, okay, <laughs> middle backer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, I, let's throw an easy one out there. I mean, uh, it, it, your future uh, Alamo Bowl defensive MVP here in three weeks. Um, I, I'll go with I'll go with middle linebacker, and I'm just going to say he's going to be the defensive MVP because he's going to have to have 15 tackles in the game. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I'm so I'm just going to piggyback on a, a lot of what you guys said. I would say the offensive line in general should be a strength next year. Jake Major is going to be a four year starter. Uh, every single one of those guys, uh, except for uh, except for DJ Campbell, will have at least a full year of starting experience now. They were so healthy on the offensive line this year for the entirety of it that it was almost ridiculous. Um, they literally didn't have a starter go down other than Cole Hudson in the very last game of the season. Um, and so those guys all have starts. They all played well. And then you have guys like DJ Campbell, Neto, Cameron Williams coming in later uh, that that I think are going to be uh, really good good football players. Um, that that would be it on offense. On defense, I don't think there's a – I think if I had to be asked, it would be defensive tackle with Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat coming back. And then you have a guy like Alfred Collins kind of lurking uh, as a backup. But – uh, those would be the guys for me. All right. By, by the way, I think I think it's I think the spring is going to be huge here. Our last little subject. I think the spring is going to be huge to see how def- the young defensive line guys kind of fall in the place. What positionally with Bledsoe and Chris Ross? Um, how different does Ethan Burke look? What does Jamon Tap look like? I think it's a huge spring. Colton Vosick in for I'm spring sure, practice. Aaron Bryant coming off a red shirt year, right? Zach Swanson, there are that it's going to be a huge spring to see how we talk about offensive line, but how the guys shuffle around on the defensive front and who goes where and who makes a big jump. All right, guys, uh, that's it for today's Longhorn live stream. Uh, I'm going to talk with Joe Cook tomorrow uh, for a uh, debrief on the University of Washington. Joe was down in San Antonio for the Alamo Bowl press conference with uh, both Kalen DeBeer, the head coach at the University of Washington as well as Steve Sarkeesian, head coach at the University of Texas. Uh, guys uh, from Inside Texas, Jerry Hamilton joining me, as well as Ian Boyd. Thank you all so much. Please visit us over on InsideTexas.com. Right now we have a special, four months for just $1. Uh, you're not going to get a better deal than that to come try us out and check us out during these uh, very interesting times during recruiting. A lot of news coming in almost daily with players entering the portal, uh, et cetera. So, so all right. For Ian Boyd and Jerry Hamilton, I'm Bobby Burton, and thank you all for joining us.